0: Hey, welcome to the Road.TV podcast, where today, Pastor Matthew's going to bring a familiar message to us all, uh, and bring it with a modern twist. So he's going to deliver some truth bombs wrapped in a catchy beat, shedding light on the intersections of faith, purpose, and the epic struggles of our fast-paced lives. So buckle up and join the digital congregation on the Road.TV, where we unlock a new level of hope, inspiration, and spiritual swag with every episode, every week. Take a listen and enjoy the challenge. What's up? Oh man, it is so good to be in the house. Thank you for coming to worship with us today. We are continuing in our series on the parables and we're gonna be looking at, eavesdropping into a conversation that Jesus had with an attorney in Luke chapter 10, all about how to be a good neighbor. Uh, The parable is often referred to as the parable of the Good Samaritan. But we could even say at its basic core, how just to be a good person, how not to be blowing it by our actions with the people around us. Let me just give us a story, I guess, a couple little stories. When I was a kid, uh, one of my favorite shows that I watched um, was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Anybody remember that show? And uh, I liked it. I don't know why, but I did. I loved it. And uh, the story, the whole concept, the premise, right, is that Mr. Rogers would teach us how to be a good neighbor. In every episode, there would be someone different ethnically, someone different vocationally. There are all these different people, and he would introduce us to this person and then show us just how valuable they are to humanity and a part of life. And we would leave the episode being a little bit more wiser and understanding a little bit more about how to treat the people around us. Uh, and when my kids came up, uh, Mr. Rogers was, I don't know if he'd been canceled. I don't know what happened to him, but they had Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Anybody watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood? It's essentially the same thing, just learning how to be a good neighbor. Um, August of this year will be my two-year anniversary here, and we, uh, my family and I are so excited to be here. And uh, it just seems like time has flown, right? Time flies when you're having fun. And um, when we first began to sense God calling us here, One of the things that I personally like doing and that we did a lot of is we would go online to like realtor.com, Trulia, and Zillow, and we would just look at houses. I mean, we just, I like that. I wanted to see what are the neighborhoods closest to the church that God might actually have us be a part of because we want to know where are we living, but we also want to know what kind of neighbors are we about to have. And so when we started to come here, right, we began to search and we talked to our realtor and we began to go and actually drive around the neighborhoods because it was important that we know, again, who's going to be living next door to us. When I was a kid, we lived on what I would call family land. Anybody ever lived on that? That essentially just means that your neighbors are your family, okay? And and that also means that, that they're in everybody's business. I grew up across the street from my grandparents and and there'd be days and moments where we would be in the house, the door would not even be knocked, the doorbell wouldn't be rang, but somebody was coming in and it was my grandma trying to see what we up to. And uh, thank God for locks and big dogs now that keep the neighbors out. You know what I mean? But we have found a uh, a, a good little neighborhood that we're beginning to get to know our neighbors, but more importantly than those that live next to us, we absolutely love our neighbors in this community and our neighbors in the church. This is such a great place to be. Uh, The title of today's message is I'm giving tribute to Mr. Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Won't You Be My Neighbor? Um, Someone asked me to sing the song, and I'm not going to, I'll spare you, but won't you be my neighbor? neighbor. I've realized in my life, knowing how to be a good neighbor is key to building the relationships that God wants us to have. I've realized, I'm learning, I've seen in my life that knowing how to be a good neighbor is key to building the relationship God intends for us to have. I don't know if you know this or not, but where you live, listen to me, is the mission field that God has given you to bear fruit and to expand his kingdom. You may thought that you got there because it's the house you could afford. You may thought that you are where you are because that's mama's land that she gave you when it was time. You may thought that you were where you are because you liked the house and it was the perfect match for your family but I need you to hear me say is that you are where you are because God is so strategic that he wanted you right there so you can make the impact that your neighbors need you've been crafted you've been created and customized by our creator, listen to me, to be a catalyst of life change right where you are. Your arrival wasn't by accident, even if your birth was unintentional by your Parents, God intentionally, listen to me, orchestrated your existence on earth for such a time as this. If he wanted Moses here, guess what? Moses would have been born in this season for such a time as this, but he wasn't. If he wanted Joseph here, Joseph would have been born in this season for such a time as this, but he wasn't. If he wanted David or Paul here, he would have had David or Paul here. If he wanted Jesus in the flesh here in this season, he would have had Jesus in the flesh born into this time period, but because you are on purpose and have a mission and because you are, listen, the only way some people would hear the gospel, God has you here now. And here's the truth for today. Your existence is God's answer to problems that exist during this part of human history you're part of. You, listen to me again, your existence is God's answer to problems that exist during this part of human history that you're part of. God loves your neighbors that much, and he is that strategic. Let's pray. We're going to dig into God's word together in Luke chapter 10. Lord Jesus, we love you, and your word is so good. God, it is going to be a challenge for us today, but Lord, there's nothing that... That you can tell us, Lord, there's nothing that we can't do without you. And so, God, we ask you right now that not only would you speak to us, but would you embolden us? Would you graciously and mercifully love on us so that, Father, as we leave this place, we would know that not only have we heard from you, not only have we been in your presence, but, Lord, we would be much more excited about the mission you have us on. Lord, being a good neighbor isn't about making good friends. It is about doing a good work. And so, God, would you show us how to do that today? In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 10. Um, the way I understand scripture and the way I look at it, I'm simple. This is how I know what's taking place in scripture. I look at the headings in my Bible, okay? And so Luke chapter 10 starts off with Jesus sending out 70 disciples to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near, some translations even say, at hand. He's not sending them out to be door-to-door salespeople, right? Uh, Jesus uh, doesn't send them out because he's got the best uh, Tupperware that he's trying to sell to them the neighbors. He's not out there trying to hand out tracts. He's literally sending them out because he wants the world to know. He wants the neighbors of the people to see, listen to me, that being a disciple of Jesus is serious and also not being a disciple of Jesus is serious. Um, Jesus sent the disciples out to reveal you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God, kind of, sort of, you either are, or you're not. You either take God's word in its entirety, or you do not. It's not pick and choose. It's re receive it all. And the cool thing is, as Jesus sent his disciples out, they were getting a lot of great reports on it. They were going out. They were preaching the good news of the gospel that the kingdom of God is coming is near, and they were getting a lot of good feedback. Matter of fact, people were being—they uh, were giving their life over to the way, right? And and people, Jews, were realizing maybe we have gotten some things messed up. Maybe we do need to be a little bit more open-minded to Jesus. They were casting out demons. They were healing the sick. There was a lot of really cool things happening. And then, in the midst of this great presentation about how it's all going, there's a no. At all, there's a self-ascribed Pharisee, or, or rather, prophet, stand up and begin to test Jesus. I don't know why this is true, but it just seems like everywhere there's a group of Christians that gather, there's always a self-ascribed prophet that's also among them, and they like to stand up and let their Bible knowledge dictate how they communicate with others, <laughs> And let me just say this, as we've been reading, even as Samuel, this is for some of y'all, some of y'all showed up just for this, is it was clear to the whole community that that Samuel was called, and if your prophecy is just clear to you, then let me tell you this now, you're not a prophet, you are what some theologians call a jerk, okay, y'all are welcome. But this type of mindset was not just happened and not only happened in the church, it's the kind of mindset that I've seen on some of you know, I'm in the, Army National Guard. I hadn't been in it long, but I've been in it long enough to know that there's some uh, high-ranking military leaders that let their rank dictate their kindness. Uh, I- I've seen a lot of wealthy elite people in my life let their wealth uh, influence their community. I- I've seen a lot of academically gifted people that let their degree impact their care for others. And I could go on and on and on, but what I want you to hear me say is this, is there was somebody who thought they knew more than everybody else that all of a sudden is wanting to use this as a teaching opportunity to show how good Good and smart they are. And they ask a question. Teacher, what must we do to inherit earth? What must we do to have eternal life? Which was a stupid question. Why was it dumb? Because they already knew. How often do people ask dumb questions? I've heard it said there's no dumb question. Oh, yes, there is. If you ask a question, you already know the answer to That's a dumb question. If you're coming up to us and you're saying, hey, what? now why did this happen? And you know good and well what you're trying to lead us to say. Just tell us what you want us to know. And you're asking this dumb question. And to this question, Jesus has an answer. But let me just say this. This is just good leadership information for all of us. The quality of the information we receive is always tied to the quality of questions we ask. If you ask a dumb question, there, somebody needs to give you a dumb answer. Is that too real for y'all? The quality of the information we receive is tied to the quality of questions we ask. And so to the expert's question, Jesus asked another question. This is what it was. Well, what does the law say? In other words, <laughs> well, what does the Bible tell you? And then he followed up with another question, what I think is so important for us to know. And, and how do you read it? Not just what does the Bible say, but also, and how do you read it. It's not just what the Bible says, listen to me, but what glasses and filters we read it, that's important. Because you realize, listen to me, there have been a lot of ungodly, unjust, immoral things that have happened to humanity and people all over the world because people read the Bible wrong. I wrote this in your notes. We will never interpret the scripture right if we're reading it wrong. We cannot apply scripture correctly if we are reading it and understanding it incorrectly. This is what it says. Let me say this, by the way. If you're only reading the type of people who think like you, you probably are wrong. I love y'all. And so too, Jesus looks to the guy and says, well, what does the Bible say and how do you read it? And he said, well, love are my as myself. And he said, well, cool, do that. Go do that. He said, well, wait, I got another question. Who was my neighbor? And to that, Jesus tells a parable. This is what we're gonna be reading in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. This is what he says. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, we're going to come back to that in just a few moments. He was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And came to him and bandaged up his own wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast, that's a donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay it. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers, Jesus said. And the guy said this, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said, go and do the same. Let me just kind of retell the story a little bit. A man was going down a road, and he got attacked by people. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, and then they leave him there half dead. When they strip him of his clothes, and he's there naked, listen to me, they rob him of his dignity. Are you with me? I mean, who wants to be laid out there all naked and everybody to see it when they Because we know people saw it. And when they beat him, they injured him. And I want to add, not just physically, but they injured him emotionally, spiritually, and even relationally. Because how could I ever trust someone who beat me that looks just like they are? (laughs) And when they leave him there, they abandon him to deal with it on their own. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful picture of what racism, prejudice, and implicit bias does. It robs people of dignity. It injures people emotionally and relationally, and it abandons them to figure things out on their own. I mean, why should they help this person up? They didn't knock them down. It wasn't my people that did that to you. Why are you upset with me? Why should I do anything now? I mean, I overcame my problems on my own. Why can't you overcome your problems on your own? And this was the mindset of the spiritual leadership in that day. Hmm. Jesus is teaching the people. This know-it-all guy, this really great person in the law. I mean, he knew the Torah. He knew this in our Bible reading plan. We've been reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the Torah, That's the Pentateuch. I mean, they knew it. And this guy who knows it all stood up, stood up to ask a question. And Jesus begins teaching a parable about the religious leaders, about that dude and his people. And he says, and they saw the guy. And when they got up close, listen what they did they did this. Not only did they cross the street, but I want to say some translations indicate that the way that they crossed the street was also that they turned their head. And what Jesus was doing was not just talking and confronting a systemic issue as how some people treat other people, but he was also, listen to me, can, he was also looking to and speaking into a mindset that many of the people had in that time. And here's what it is. I, I don't have to solve it if I act like I don't see it. (laughs) When I was a kid, the way that they talked about this in the South was that we sweep some problems under the rug. And some of us, listen to me very carefully. We have acted like we don't see injustice for too long. We have acted like we don't see sin in our own families too long. We have swept the issues that plague us under the rug too long. And Jesus is confronting all of this in front of a group of people. And in essence, what he's saying is (laughs) they were right theologically, but they were wrong with love in action. Matter of fact, we see this in the next, the the very next story, the very next part of scripture It's the Levites. So we can think of Levites as um, church folk, but not staff. They were connect group leaders. They were deacons. They were members of the church. They were high capacity volunteers. And you know what Jesus said they did? Is then they walked up to the issue, they crossed the street and looked away and continued on their way. They had gotten theology right, but love and action wrong. And can I just say this to us? There's a lot of people in our church and in this community that know what to believe, but their belief isn't informing how they act. And therefore, there's a lot of hurting, abandoned people in our community, in our world, because some people know what to say, but they simply don't know what to do. got doctrine right, but love wrong. The theology was right, but the love was wrong. They were great in the temple, but they were wrong in the streets. They were were there with their presence, but they weren't there with their voice. (laughs) Who have you not been speaking up for? What have you been letting slide that we need to address? That's what this is about. What are you letting go of that you need to take firm and deal with it? Our community, your marriage, your home, your kids, it it can't change if we keep sweeping it on the rug. Our, Our community can't glorify the Lord if we just keep turning our head. And then Jesus gets to the Samaritan. <laughs> Someone really different. They were different ethnically, but listen to me very carefully, they were also different doctrinally. And then we say, how will they different doctrinally? Well, let me say this. The Jews, not only did they believe in the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, but they also agreed to and believed in the prophets of old, right? We would say that's kind of like our Old Testament. We believe in that. Now, Now, the Samaritans, they believed in the Pentateuch, but they didn't believe in the rest of the prophets. I dare, I could say that's a big difference. If you look at our Bible and say, well, I like this book, but I don't like that book. I like this book and not that book. I like these five, but I don't like these 15 That's a big difference. Are you guys with me? Am I boring y'all to tears? That's a big difference. So they were different doctrinally, but they were also different ethnically. And Jesus then says, but there was this different doctrinally and different different ethnically person and here they come. And they didn't let this inconvenience be an interruption. They use it as an opportunity. Listen, the Samaritan was wrong doctrinally, but he had love right. The first two people, the church, they were right doctrinally, love wrong. This guy... I mean, why did he go to to this link to say who it is? Well, first of all, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. If you remember in John, matter of fact, the disciples could not believe that Jesus would actually go through Samaria and stop at a well to talk to this lady. I mean, Jesus, do you not know how crazy she is? We got to go there. Jesus is almost saying, can I just dare I say this? This might be too much. Um, he was saying, if your theology's right and you're a good church person, but you don't teach and love people well, then who gives a rip about what you believe if you can't let it affect your actions? Who gives a rip what denomination we are a part of if it doesn't affect our actions? I just want to piggyback on this Samaritan because I just think it's so good. He didn't let this inconvenience, because it was, he had to stop and deal with it. It cost him a little bit. He didn't let this inconvenience stop him from loving others. And I need you to hear me say every place you go and every person you meet is not by coincidence. It's a moment that God is giving you as an opportunity to be salt and light, to do love in action. And he banded, bandaged up this guy's wounds. He pours oil and wine on the wounds. He puts him on the back of a donkey and he takes him to a place to find rest. And then he says to the innkeeper, if this isn't enough, I'm gonna come back later and pay the rest of it. Okay, let me just ask you a question. It was, why are you sweeping under the rug? Now it's, listen to me. I'm scared I'm gonna cry if I tell you. What are you tangibly doing? It's not just about a mindset, it's about an action. How, how, what are you doing to care for the people in our community? How about this, that doesn't look like you and doesn't think like you. And Jesus looks to this know-it-all and says, the Samaritan guy got it right. Who do you think got it right? Oh, the guy that showed mercy. Okay, go and do the same. Go and do likewise. Guys, listen to me. If we let our theology, if we let our doctrine, if we let what we believe keep us from, from caring for people, how they, listen to me, deserve to be treated, then you are wrong. We are wrong. Every person we meet is a person that I believe, and I want you to hear me say this, that God is strategically placing in our path for our opportunity to share and be the gospel with him. Jesus gave us the great commission. You know what that is. It's go and make disciples. But he also gave us the great commandment to love God and our neighbors. And this shows us how this show. Love is not just a feeling, it's an action. And can I just say, I'm so glad God didn't just feel for me when I was lost in my sin. (laughs) I'm so glad God demonstrated his love for me through sending his son, Jesus, to the cross. Even when I didn't really want to have anything to do with him, he died for me. And I'm going to go back to it because I just need you to understand the world is not our home, but it is our calling. And it is our job, it is our responsibility, it is our opportunity that when we see someone knocked down, abandoned and beat, that we get to come along beside of them and show them and share with them the love of Jesus. What kind of neighbor are you? Are you the kind of neighbor that acts on what you see? Or are you the kind of neighbor that turns your head? Are you the kind of neighbor that speaks up on the injustices that we see around us? Are you the kind of neighbor that just simply bows your head and acts like you can't see. Your existence, your existence is God's answer to problems that exist during this part of human history that you're a part of. But listen to me very carefully. There will be no change in your family, in you, in our church, in our community, and our world if we don't address the problem. And I wanna give you an opportunity right now to address the problem. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Lord Jesus, you're just so good. And uh, God, I've preached this message three times and all three messages have been a little bit different. But Lord, I thank you for your truth that just goes out and doesn't return void. And God, my prayer for us right now is that we wouldn't just sweep our issues under the rug. We wouldn't just act and avoid things that we know we need to speak up on or that we need to address in our lives personally or even as a family. But God, we would have the courage and the boldness to address an issue that maybe we didn't even cause. And God, we thank you that you address an issue that you you didn't cause in us by sending Jesus to die. God, would you speak to us? And God, even right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you embolden us to be a people that Lord would not, that doesn't walk across the street and doesn't sweep it under the rug, but addresses what it is that we need to address to share your love and to expand your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, please stand to your feet. Again, I, I told you that I was gonna give you an opportunity to ad- address the issue. And this is this is how we're gonna address it, okay? Um, first is this. You may be thinking, you know what? I've never really addressed sin in my own personal life. And I've acted like I, I've was good, I acted like I had it all together, but the truth is i never really fully gave my life to Jesus Christ and surrendered to him as Lord and savior. And I want you to know that today's that opportunity for you get to address the sin problem in your life by trusting Jesus and Rick and Vic and I are here. We would love to walk with you in salvation. That's the first step of that. Here's the second thing, maybe you're saying, well, listen, I've never addressed the issue that I hadn't even been baptized. I, I did my first step, but I've never taken my second step and I need to take my second step. We'd love to walk with you through that, how to do that. Maybe you're thinking, I, I've been coming in a part of this community and I see the impact this church is having on those around us. And, and I've never really taken my step to really be all in. This is a great opportunity. We'd love to help you uh, be a member of this church. And maybe you're thinking, listen, I, I just, I don't even know what to do because I'm so overwhelmed with all the things that are around me and we'd love to pray with you. Guys, we are a church in it together. And we're not gonna just simply stand by and watch things happen. We're gonna address it. We're gonna move forward and experience God's grace. How about this and his mercy together? Would you come as we sing?